Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. My name is Zach, and uh, we're, are, we are actually somless today uh, in the podcast, so I'm actually going to be uh, splitting duties with only Andres today. So, uh, Andres, since uh, you're actually going to be our designated host for the day, um, why don't you just kind of take the reins? And what? But, but before we start, give me some reactions on this weekend in general, because I know Saturday was a day of, of, of great hope and elation. And then this morning, obviously, uh, the West Ham match happened. So just some it was, general. It is it a was a short, short lived spell in the four in the top four. But I'm still hopeful that we can turn the tides and, and put destiny back in our hands as we play both Leicester and West Ham. Uh, before the season ends so yeah I, I know we're not in the top four this very moment but because we have to play both of those guys and, and I'm pretty sure Leicester has a pretty tough final few games I'm still uh, I'm still staying more on the positive end I guess that's I guess that's kind of a good thing right I'm so positive man as far as I'm seeing it Jesse Lingard hasn't scored that many goals in his fucking entire career so what are the odds of it continuing right I mean, on on one hand, I could have just cursed it, and on the other, I could have just spit yeah. some real <laughs> logic there. <laughs> uh, Lingard Lingard doesn't scare me. If we take care of business against West Ham, we'll be okay. Yeah, we should be fine. And, and hoping Liverpool drop a drop a couple points along the way, which would which seems likely to happen. I mean, there's seven games between now and the end of the season. I think they're going to drop at least two more. Hey, if Leeds can beat Man City. I I'll believe it. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun game to watch actually. Liverpool leads. So but anyway, let's get into it because Chelsea played Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park and beat them four to one. Our starting eleven consisted of a three fourth two one with Mendy and goal, Aspie, Zuma, and Rudiger as the back three. Turns out Christensen picked up a small knock. Uh, this week in practice, nothing serious. The midfield four were Cho, Jovicic, and Chili B. The two outside tens were Mount and Polisic, and our striker was Havertz. So, first things first, no Tammy Abraham in the starting 11 yet again. And for once, no Timo Werner. So, Zach, what did you think when you saw the first starting 11? Well, I know a lot of people were up in arms that we didn't have Giroud or Tammy starting. I thought one of them should have started uh, going into the match, but obviously Tuchel made me eat my words. Um, no Tammy, I think that's concerning uh, for Tammy Abraham. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about that relationship um, and the readiness that Tuchel sees or doesn't see in Tammy um, in terms of him actually coming into the squad and contributing. Um, so I got to be honest, man, if Tuchel's here next year, it, it's kind of hard to see Tammy staying, um, and, and, and rightly so. Um, you know, especially at his age and his scoring record, it, it probably would suit him best to maybe look elsewhere if Tuchel's still here. So I'm still Team Tammy, man. I still think the guy could do it if he's given a chance, but um, it's just a matter of if Tuchel's willing to do it or not. And right now, I think based on this Palace match, that front three looked banging. And yes, Andres, they looked banging without Timo Werner. Um, my concern without Timo being in the lineup was maybe we won't be as fluid in terms of the front three constantly switching and changing up positions. Um, but we seem to be more fluid than ever. I think the first 30 minutes of the game, um, I have the notes here, my match notes, 30 minutes in, and this is the best football we've seen under Tuchel. 
Now, you know, granted, Palace didn't really give us much to uh, to play against in the first half, but you can only play who's in front of you, right? So I thought based on that, just the front three performance, by the time the game was over, I wasn't really too concerned that Tammy or Timo, um, or even Giroud for that matter, didn't start the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually wasn't surprised that Tammy wasn't going to be starting. Tuchel was asked pre-match a few things about Tammy and, and his personal goal to make the the Euros. And, and Tuchel was pretty straightforward, like he always has been, and pretty much said, hey, Keppa wants to make the Euros. And just because he wants to make the Euros doesn't mean I need to start him and prioritize his personal goals over team goals. So, I mean, that kind of tells you all you need to know. The guy is, is prioritizing the team, and he does not think that Tammy starting is the solution. We got to just, you know, we don't agree with it, but he, you're right. He might have his mind made up. He started Tammy twice in the Premier League and pulled him at halftime both times. So, you know, it's it's tough. Um, he, he even mentioned that right now is the time for players to to show up. And and they have to show up now in this crucial part of the season. So props to those that did. And and to those that didn't get the start or aren't getting the minutes, I mean, the, the manager spoke. Those are, are going to be more valuable than ever. So, I mean, it sucks. It sucks not to see Tammy. It sucks that, you know, like you said, if Tuchel's here for the long run, what will that mean for Tammy, who's already prolonged the new contract extension for a while? But let's move on to, to the match. And I want to start by this uh, tweet from Colin Prescott at Colin Blues Forever. He says, Chelsea had no chance, no choice but to win today. And they sure as hell played like it. Watched the whole game at work. And now let's make that money. And then he said, pumped. So, you know, props to Colin. I, I, I told him it was awesome that he caught the game at work. We got to learn a little bit more about him. He's So his dad's actually from Stanford. Uh, was born right next to Stanford Bridge and lived in London until about 20 years old before coming to America. So Colin's been born a blue, essentially. And, uh, yeah, he, he's gotten to go to the bridge a few times, so he's blue through and through, and he's a big fan of the podcast. So, Colin, welcome. Thanks for the, the, the first uh, submission. And, and, Zach, I mean, what else is there to say? He's, he's right on there, right? No choice but to win today. Or yesterday, technically. No, I think I think Colin kind of hit the nail on the head. We we really didn't have a choice but to win. It was just a matter of us getting the go-ahead goal and then um, kind of coasting after that. Palace didn't really give us much in the first half. Um, you know, that's pretty much all you could really say about them. Uh, tactically, the, the 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 system, the tactics, the player selection, everything just kind of seemed to go wrong for them. And it was a match where. You're watching it and you're seeing, okay, Pulisic was on a hat trick. He could have had one. Kai Havertz could have had a hat trick. You look around the field and you're like, man, there could have been seven or eight goals in this game, potentially. It was half. Yeah. The, I, I, I see this first half in that, like you said, it's the best we've seen this team play. The passing was quick with purpose moving forward. Um, you mentioned Pulisic. I thought the Pulisic-Havertz mount for a three looked great. But the guys that really turned their performance around were Jorginho and Kovacic in midfield. And, and our new Red Bolter, Prashant, at Prosh CFC, mentions really good performance, 
I think Palace missed the trick by not pressing our pivot, but the fluency in our passing, and he put the heart emoji. So, Zach, is Prosh onto something here? Was the reason they looked good after struggling was just the fact that Palace didn't pressure, or, or was there more to it? I mean, there's always that classic phrase, you could only play who's in front of you, right? Like, growing up and playing soccer, you always have coaches telling you that. Um, to be fair, they did turn their performance around in the second half, I thought. I didn't think Palace were shit for the whole game. I thought they actually gave us a little bit of trouble in the second half at times. Granted, we did keep our foot on the gas. We were still attacking with with, with authority the whole entire match. We looked like a threat from minute one to 90, which was awesome. Um but no, I don't necessarily think in the first half, yeah, Palace were complete shit. You can go ahead and, and, and say that wholeheartedly. But in the second half, I definitely thought that they turned their game up a little bit. Um, the one thing you mentioned, Andres, that stood out to me, especially with Jorginho and Kovacic, though, was was the tempo of the passing. It was a lot quicker. One and two touches. We didn't. And, and last week, we criticized both of them for taking three, four, five too many touches, or three, four, five touches on the ball when they receive it, as opposed to just taking a touch and getting it out from under your feet. And that's what they did really well in this match. And when the ball ticks through the midfield that much quicker, it gets the wing backs involved a lot sooner because now you're playing that ball a lot earlier. And now they're running into space instead of collecting the ball with a defender in front of them. And now they got to pass it backwards. So, you know, the wing backs in this game were, were immense. Um, I know Callum Hudson, Adoy's numbers. I, I know we don't have it here on the script Andres, but they were ridiculous. Um, in terms of take-ons and crosses attempted and just the attacking stats were through the roof. And a huge, huge part of that goes to Kovacic and Jorginho and the work that they do on the ball and off the ball to get the ball into those wide areas and to get the ball to our dangerous attacking players in this game. So yeah, they were key. They were completely key for it. But with that being said, it still doesn't change my mind in regards to them playing against top quality opposition. I don't think a Jorginho Kovacic pivot is going to work, especially if we go, uh, it's going to work if we move on to the later round uh, stages of the Champions League or when we have some tougher matches coming up, like against Man City. Um, yeah. I think Con- I think Conte has to be in there, uh, full stop. So, yeah, I, I think to, to Prosh's comment, I don't, it's not that I don't think Palace missed the trick. I think Palace just does not have the players to do that. I, if Jorginho is unathletic, I'm not sure what that makes Milivojevic. Because that guy is just as slow, and you know he's going to start for Palace. Um, I don't know how much defensive work you can get out of Ayu and Eze anyway when they're part of your midfield four. So the guy I didn't recognize was the the guy with the big afro. I haven't seen him before, but if oh, he's right the only him. guy, yeah. if he's the only guy that's going to be running around, then yeah, you you're better off not pressing. At least you would think. Um, how dumb do they have to be to play a four, uh, a, a two-person midfield or a two-person center well, midfield, I, I guess I should say. I mean, it's Roy Hodgson. I mean, I don't think he was going to – he's not the tie. He's not like Tuchel where he'll change things up or, or someone like maybe, I don't know, a, a more modern manager that's willing to, to kind of scrap their current formation to go with something else. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it doesn't surprise me, honestly. I expected a 4-4-2. We got a 4-4-2, and, and we handled it pretty well. Yeah. Um but moving on to the the front three, and you mentioned those first couple minutes. I mean, we got another comment this time from Dexter, and I believe this is Dexter from LA Blues. Correct yep. me if I'm wrong. President of the LA Chelsea Blues. Huge shout out to Dexter. So in the first 10 minutes, we scored twice, if I'm not mistaken. It was a goal by Pulisic. 
and a goal by Kai Havertz. Uh, flip those around. I Kai Havertz and Pulisic. Havertz yeah. scored first. Uh, he won the ball from pressuring right next to the box, laid it off, got himself open back in the bo- inside the box now, and he kind of passed it into the back post extremely calmly. And it's funny because he celebrates the goal, but his face doesn't show any emotion. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Belizic on on his goal is a total opposite. The dude has to like swivel through and he's like super high energy, extreme power behind his shot with his left foot. And he is full of emotion. So, you know, we have this, this two, these two opposite reactions and opposite styles of goals or one is class and, and silky. Well, the other one is more like just emotion and power. So to go back to Dexter's question, how did you spend your time after those first 10 minutes, Zach? I got to relax, man. Whew. So, so I, I had a heavy night of drinking before. The game was at nine thirty in Los Angeles, so it's it's a reasonable time. That's a that's a perfect get, match time for me because it allows me to sleep and then also rage the night before, which I did. So I woke up a little hungover. I watched a match in bed this time. I I didn't make it out of bed, and uh, yeah, goal number one went in, and from there on out, Andres, I was sitting at the foot of my bed. Uh, watching the rest of the match because the the tempo and the fluidity of play, the way the ball was moving, the man movement. I mean, there were so many instances in this game where we would have a sequence of uh, 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 we would have a build up or or uh, a sequence of passes that would just make me go wow. Like you know, it, it's so so nice to watch. Um, this was the funnest performance by far, man. But yeah, I mean, after the after the first ten minutes of the game, it, it was just all fun and games for me. I was sitting at the edge of my bed, and every single time we got the ball in and around the box, I was on my feet. Um, great, great Saturday morning. Honestly, Andres, I haven't felt that way in such a long time, man. Yeah, I and I'm with you because I've been the guy week in and week out saying don't expect more than one or two goals from this team. And when they did that in the first ten minutes, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I so, was thinking, is it going to end two nil just so I can brag about the about having the correct prediction next prediction week? again? Yeah, but um, you know, before before I kind of move on from the front three and, and talk about the the rest of the performance uh, at Michael No Digits, kind of also mentioned, you know, Kai Kai Havertz is tired of Matt Law's talk and Pulisic stamped his authority on the left. So our first two goal scorers, I would argue, were our top two performers, and you can always throw in Mason Mount, who will always be dropping an eight nine out of ten this season uh, but to start with Havertz one goal should have had far more one assist five shots 40 passes as a striker mm-hmm. one key pass and 54 touches if I'm not mistaken last time when we were complaining uh, about Havertz uh, when he started as a striker against Porto I can pull it up real quick. He had far less touches. I think he had um, 11 touches. Him and Tino yeah. together only had like 20-some touches. Uh, let me see real quick. He had 23 touches total. Oh, 23. Yeah. yeah. Timo so was double. the one that was like below 20 and, and Pulisic. So so Timo had something like ridiculously low in 60 yeah. minutes. And I'll get to Pulisic to show you what the numbers we should be expecting from that left outside 10. But back to Havertz. 54 touches, one key pass. The man was everywhere. He was dropping in. He was making runs in behind. There was even, you know, 
that one potential sports center top 10 play where a ball over the top gets played. He takes this touch that flicks the ball over another defender with his first touch. Then his next touch is for a shot, but the shot was just not strong enough. I mean, he was just, again, it's, it's funny to see a player like this where he's not loud. He's not extroverted, but then he can drop a performance like that. I mean, is this the Kai Havertz that we're all expecting to see and hopefully start seeing week in and week out? Yes, man. Th- this is exactly what we're what we've been looking for. Um, overall, the performance was 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 completely typical of Kai Havertz. It looked like Kai Havertz was playing for Germany, honestly, playing in a very similar role, um, just kind of feeling the game out, going to where the ball is, picking picking and choosing his spots. The goal was incredible. I thought the finish was really nice. The composure in it, just passing it into the side of the net, realizing that he didn't really need much power. He needed more placement. Having that awareness is great. Um, but again, he could have had more. And, and I don't want to turn this into a negative, but this is something that he even mentioned right after the match too. Um, you know, One of the first things out of his mouth was, I, I probably could have scored more. And He's going to be well aware of that. I'm sure he's going to be working on that, and I hope he works on that because if he can put his finishing product together on a more consistent basis, Andres, I mean, he can easily put up a 20 and 10 season goals and assists. Yeah, I and, mean, we, and, and, and that's not uh, that's not out of the realms of possibility. Just consider, I mean, you look at the the amount of chances he had just in this game; he could have put away four. People yeah, are saying Patrick. I thought he could have had four. I'm thinking, yeah, the that play, the the goal he scored, then this one with the flick. I remember there was a good the header. through ball right up the middle where he where he took yep. it early when he could have probably taken a touch or two and just like even took it around the keeper. And and in ten seconds we just pointed out four chances that you know again it it's runs that he's also making that were, were clever runs and and the flicked ball that he did he's the only one of our striking options that could possibly do something like that. The side-footed shot, I'd argue that that both Giroud and, and and Tammy probably go for more of an instinctual power shot, and, and those can be more. I more feel 50-50. like they both. I feel like they both hit it like the through ball you're talking about. Uh, I was talking about the actual goal where he's, oh, he, yeah. he's, like you said, he it looked like a pass, and he passed yeah. it into the net. I I don't see that sort of finish from our our other strikers either. Like I said, it's he's he's definitely not. A through and through striker. Strikers don't look up. Strikers don't really think. It's all we always talk about. It, it feels almost instinctual. They know where they are in the box, so they don't even have to look up to figure out where they need to be shooting. Meanwhile, Kai has the. He's more of a playmaker by nature, so his thought process is always to look up and, and look at his kind of options and make a quick decision. This time being a shot that was side footed, but but yeah, he he's just a different style of player. He it, he is what. What people – on his night, like when he's on, he's what people wish Robert Firmino was. Yeah. He's exactly what people wish Firmino was. And, and and to be fair, I think he's the kind of player, now that we're looking at him, I it's clear. Andres, you agree his best position is at the false nine, give or take, right? Uh, in our in our current system, yes. In our current system, yeah. So, I mean, like if we're going to continue playing the system without a natural striker, quote-unquote, and Kai's going to be filling in that space – I think the key is making sure that the two wingers that are flanking him are, are goal scorers. And Pulisic has to be one of them. And I think Mount, obviously, he's the undroppable one. That's that's the front three for me, honestly, looking at it. Because 
Pulisic is the only guy who gives us consistent goal threat every time he plays, or almost every time he plays from the wing position. Timo doesn't give that to us. Ziyech, is, yeah. Ziyech takes too long to get going. Um, and none of the other we'll guys really back, play out there. We'll go back to talking about the, the front three for the remainder of the season. But speaking of Pulisic, yeah. I mean, just last week, somebody was saying, somebody that commented or asked a question, I, I'm not 100% who it was, was saying how they thought, oh, maybe we can keep using Pulisic as an impact sub. Yeah. And I argued that when you have a player who's in form the way he was versus someone like Timo that wasn't, you can't just save him for the final 30 minutes. You have to give it a run because we can't continue to to push to fix things in the final 30. And here you have Christian Pulisic who comes out, has two goals, three shots, four chances created, four key passes, and here's another key thing that I mentioned, the touches. He had 43 touches from that left outside 10 left forward position. Um, but before we dive in, our friend Blaze Caruso, shout out to, to Alex Caruso's cousin. He goes, <laughs> simulation theory confirmed after Blizzik's first goal. He's scoring at Selhurst Spark, just like last season, in the identical pajama away kids. He's, and he's calling... It's calling a spade a spade. It's a little fishy. But first thing, Blaze, you know what, man? I, I'm not a hater of these kids. I am a big fan, and this was the one kid I decided to buy. So just think what you want, but I think this away kid is pretty sick. Uh, in terms of the simulation theory, if you look up the, the side-by-sides, Pulisic dribbles into the box, powers it with his left foot against Crystal Palace, at Crystal Palace, in the same uniform. So... I don't same know end. what I, I don't know. Yeah, same end same of the stadium. End. So I don't yeah. know if I should take the blue pill or the red pill because this is this is way too similar. I think you should take the red, white, and blue pill, Andres. Get it? Oh, oh okay. I see what you did There's there. There's a zinger. Sam would shit on me if he heard that. Um <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad, dude. Um no, I it, it it's a total confirmation of the simulation theory, man. It took me a second to realize that I was having deja vu after he scored. I was like, wait, I feel like I've celebrated this goal before, <laughs> right? Um, but no, dude, going to the kids, um, I don't know how I feel about them, man. I see it one match and I like them. I see them the next match and I don't. From far <laughs> away, they look great because they look like this like off-white or sort of like a really flat sort of teal color, right? But then when you look at them up close, they do look like pajama pants. So I don't know. The The third kits are disgusting. The second kits are meh. <laughs> Nike really got to get their shit together. Otherwise, Blaze Crusoe is going to keep asking. He's going to keep mentioning these <laughs> in his, uh, his questions because they're pretty bad. For, for me, it was one of those things, you know, talking about at first I, I kind of read this and it was like I had a brain fart, like reading simulation theory. And I had I thought, to read it twice he, too, yeah. Is he is he pointing out the fact that Pulisic, every time he scores, he ends up on the ground, so it feels like he's like, you know, diving. Simulating. Like that's all <laughs> for a while I was like, what is he trying to get at here? Because the first thing, literally, the first reading through is like, you know what? Pulisic always ends up on the ground when he scores. Cause he just yeah. comes in fifty miles per hour to try to get to the ball first. And and yeah, it's the Premier League. These guys are going to be bigger than him. And if they're one second late to clearing the ball, they're going to get Pulisic's body that has already struck the ball instead of stopping a goal. I think it was Kuyate 
in the first half still where he gee oh, dude he gave him he a straight barely, clothesline well no before that he barely got to the ball before Pulisic Pulisic was making that back run back post run to, to follow through on a shot and oh, we either yeah. just poked it away it looked like he was gonna get it and then you know in the second half his second goal came doing just that he uh he's really continued good at his that. run and just kind of smashed it into the back of the net uh but i mean man Pulisic was overdue long overdue for a match like this and and just like kai havertz he could have had a third goal like i said the, the one that they just poked away he was just on it and one thing that really stood out to me outside of the stats was just how he was positioning himself on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I think recently, because of his lack of confidence, you see Timo Werner just doing that thing where he's he's kind of holding his run to, to wait for the through ball right between the left back and the center back and just like, come on, man, give me the through ball. Meanwhile, Pulisic is, is checking in. He's comfortable being out on the left wing. He's comfortable changing and, and ending up a little bit central if Kai drifts wide mm-hmm. or or being even further out wide than his uh, wing back. And, you know, when you when you are not so positionally stiff, especially in a system like this, like you said, that doesn't have a natural striker, that's only going to cause trouble. And I just felt like the movement around the box, which usually is very stagnant for us, looked so much better with him on the pitch. Call it American bias, call it whatever you want, but he played so well today. It was really fun to watch, man. It it was one of those games where you're, you're taking a look at him and you're like, how how could any Chelsea fan say anything bad about this guy? And, and you realize now nobody really says anything bad about him anymore unless it's in regards to his injury situation. I don't hear anybody saying Christian Pulisic, it, it, he's not good enough. You don't hear that anymore. And you heard it in the beginning when he initially came to Chelsea and Frank wasn't playing him so much. He wasn't scoring many goals. Then all of a sudden he gets a hat trick against Burnley. He scores against Arsenal in a cup final, you know, scores against Man City at home. Him and Drew dragged us into the Champions League last year, into the top four. It's really nice to see everybody sort of come around and just realize, hey, he's not just American. He's a really good soccer player and or footballer, I guess I should say. But everybody's loving on him right now. And I just want to say I, I'm all here for it, dude. Yeah. Um, the the Pulisic love is, is it's long overdue. Um, again, the key is him just staying healthy. And yeah, I mean, to your point that you said last week um, about him, you would rather have him play like the first 60 minutes as opposed to the last 30. Um, I'm starting to think that more and more too, because, you know, going back to what I was saying about playing Kai at the nine, you need to have wingers that have a goal scoring instinct. And right now, even though Mason Mount doesn't necessarily have that yet, um, you know, he, he scores goals, but He's not as prolific as a, as, as a striker or forward player should be. He's undroppable. But you look at the other side of the pitch, I think Pulisic actually has the best instinct um, between the other guys that you could select there, between Cho, between Werner, between Ziyech. Um, and yeah, it's easy to say that while Werner's not scoring and while Ziyech isn't playing much, but every time Pulisic plays, you can think back to one specific moment in that match where he tested the keeper. And, you know, right. you look back at Porto, he hit the post. Um, you know, the match before Porto in the league, he scored. In this game, he had two. He could have had three. And, and and next time he starts, he's going to keep doing the same thing. And, and and that's my point. The kid's a stud. So it's not it's not a surprise to us, at least, because, you know, we've been following him for so many years that he's playing this well. 
but it's just really nice to kind of see it all come together now because, you know, again, it wasn't easy for him between his injuries and his playing time and the managerial changes, but I'm just, I'm just really happy to see him come out of the other side of it. It's great. Yeah, I can't, can't agree more. So, so to bring kind of put a bow on this front three talk, we had a question from Stefano Dimera at Black Emoji, another one of our Rep Ultras, and he says, finally, some goals. Should this be the permanent front three for the remainder of the season, or were Crystal Palace just there for the taking? Uh, Zach, before before I let you get into it, I, I'm i just going to say it. As much as we loved seeing this, I'm not going to be able to predict a Thomas Tuchel starting 11 at <laughs> all. I really am not. There's times where I thought maybe Ziyech was going to get minutes, and he didn't. Again, I thought this was the perfect chance maybe for Tammy to, because, you know, as fans, we thought, okay, the Havertz thing didn't work against Porto. Maybe it won't work again, or maybe we'll try something different. But now here we are. So in my book, yes, this should be the front three. I still think there's, you know, despite the rumors that Chelsea has told Ziyech and his kind of team to, to look for a, a new home, uh, I think that there's still something for Ziyech to bring to the table this season. Werner at this point, I, I still don't want to play him for, for the next match. I think he still needs to kind of take a rest. And, and we're talking about impact subs. I'd rather bring a fully energized Werner to just run wild in the last 30 minutes than yeah. somebody that's on good form like Pulisic, even Ziyech to an extent who had scored, you know, in back-to-back matches. So so for me, it's it's one of those things where I think this is the strongest front three. I think Mason Mount looks better on the right side, especially because he won't drift into the similar spaces as his right wing back in either Cho or Reese James. So it makes our field or pitch even bigger by doing so. Uh, but again, I highly doubt that this is it for, for the season. I highly doubt that for the next, what, eight, ten matches, we'll see just these front three. I, I, there's plenty of minutes still to go around. There's There's plenty of congestion. In terms of match fixtures, it's we'll see Giroud, we'll see Tammy, we'll see Ziyech. Let, hopefully, we give Werner a little break before he starts again, though. Yeah, I, I, that's another thing. Against Porto, I want the same front three. I don't think it should be changed. Um, the way we ended that match, if we can, if we can start the second leg against Porto in a with a similar tempo and a similar kind of energy to the way we started the first half against Palace we will blow Porto out of the water i mean the aggregate will be 4-0 by the time it's halftime um yeah i that's the front 3 for me man i kind of pleaded the case earlier you know with Havertz and needing mm -hmm. goal scorers next to him that's that's the front 3 in in terms of the ZS thing it's a little concerning to be honest with you because again I feel I feel I almost feel stupid vouching for him because this is a guy that's done it in the Champions League. We've seen him score brilliant goals. He has brilliant assists. He's he, technically he's one of the most gifted players in world football. There's no way he can't contribute to the team. And I think he's just suffering from the team's success right now. He's a victim of the team's success, you know. Um yeah, he hasn't been in and around the team. He's he, he's been in and out of it. Um and during that time, he went on a 14-game unbeaten run. It's kind of hard to justify, hey, Ziyech needs to play more when you haven't lost in 14 matches. Um, I thought that Palace match probably would have been the ideal chance to start him um, with one of Giroud or Tammy. 
just mm-hmm. to give them just to give them some minutes and to see you know what they can offer um but but look i'm okay with that not happening because what that means is Tuchel's all business he's putting out strong lineups every single match and i think he's a little bit past the phase where he's tinkering and toying with the team we have seven or eight matches left through the end of the premier league season plus the cup competitions um we're going to need to be playing our best 11 week in and week out. We we can't afford to rotate sides and maybe uh you know suffer a you know a, a draw or a loss. That can't happen. So I'm okay with with Ziyech and Tammy and Giroud not getting the minutes as long as we're staying focused on our goals and we're still achieving our goals, which we are up to this point. So mm-hmm. it sucks for Ziyech and 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 I do want to see him succeed. I think he could contribute again. I sound like a broken record, but for this season specifically, it's it's pretty well made who the guys that Tuchel's who the guys are that Tuchel's going to lean on, and you know it's Mason Mount, it's Havertz, it's Werner, even though he's benched now, it's Pulisic, it's Callum Hudson Odoi. You know, all those guys are getting in ahead of him, unfortunately. Yeah, and and again, it's 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 a shame because you give you let Ziyech do what he's good at. And he's still a top talent, but right now we're playing more of a aggressive pressure, ruthless pressing from the front three, lots of movement, and and he's more of a hover around in space than needs a couple seconds to find the perfect pass rather than pass move pass move. So again, it's just a shame. It it is what it is. Sometimes this is how football is, and I. You know, if we got him for, what is it, 30-something mil, I'm sure a team out there that plays in the way Ziyech may need, if that is what the future holds for him, he'll find a home and he'll kill it somewhere else. So, again, it's not that he's not playing well here. It's just it seems like square peg, round hole sort of thing with what Tuchel is asking these outside tens to do. But, again, that's all speculation. I, um, I, I, sorry, Andres, if you ahead. off. I just think it's more a matter of matter a matter a matter of Tuchel not willing to fuck around so much at this point. Like he can't afford to give this guy a chance and see what he can do. Like there's what twelve games with league yeah. and cup competitions. It's it's crunch time. You know he could have. I feel like he could have done that a month ago and he did. I remember one time he started Ziyech in the Champions League and said he did it because of Ziyech's experience in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean for whatever reason it just hasn't worked out. Right. Well, before we, let's let's kind of get into our final match thoughts, and we can answer uh, this question from Ron at Bone Daddy Cool at Bone Daddy Supreme at Bone Daddy Deluxe, the Czar of the Ultras. Thank asks, you. Psalm never includes that title. <laughs> Do you feel this game was the biggest fuck you to all the doubters in regards to Kai Ballistic and what Thomas Tuchel specifically is doing at the club? Everyone, everyone looked so good today. Um, I just want to add, because we didn't mention it at all, the return of Air Zuma was fantastic to see. I just feel like I've been saying that when he, when he plays, he's a threat in the air. And and he scored a beautiful header, an even more beautiful cross bullet, from Mason bullet, Mount. Bullet, 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 bullet. Is that, isn't that what they do for Zuma? The, 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 when he scored that bullet header? Who was it against? Oh, God. I don't what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? They're all on the bus. No. I think they're all on the plane right after right after Zuma scored a, a header. I forget who it was against. It was this season, and they're all going bullet, 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 like bullet header. They're making they're, that guy's the best. <laughs> Chill well on social media. 
well chill ball on social media but also zuma like earlier this week kind of off topic i know i'm gonna go on a rant here but i saw a uh an instagram post of all of zuma's like most hilarious moments that were caught on camera and it was like you know one of those reels where you swipe there was like 10 oh, pages of I, it. See. I saw that oh too. man i was rolling those everybody loves to pick on him there was him playing cards with the french team him getting messed <laughs> yeah. around when he's sleeping poor guy but um Back back to Ron's question. I think I think today's match just shows that when what Tuchel is trying to to get through these players' heads is executed, this is what it's supposed to look like. It it's not any different than what we've seen before, except that this time it clicked. If you told me that oh Tuchel plays negative football and today we played positive football and, and and it's just a different story, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. He tried something different. But this is it. It's been a 3-4-3 every time. Very high wingbacks, wide wingbacks, whenever we're in possession, one more attacking than the other. Double pivot is moving the ball around. Creativity coming from the outside, tens. Like, all of that we've seen before. All of it. It's just that we saw it in maybe bits of five minutes or maybe just at the beginning of the game or maybe just at the end of the game. We haven't seen it for such a consistent period throughout a match and to, to get three goals in 45 minutes is outstanding. I think again, I I saw it a lot on Twitter this week where as fans, you have your favorites and you have these, how you want to see your favorite team operate and how, who you want to see on the pitch. But you're a Chelsea fan at the end of the day, you can't be complaining about the fact that, we're getting the wins. We're getting the three points. And if we can continue to play like we did today, we can do it in style too. So, yeah, I mean, Tuchel is doing a great job. And and honestly, I'm so bored by, oh, this would have happened under Lampard. Or, oh, if we have Tammy playing, it would look different. Like, just, just, just kind of come in for the ride. The guy is, <laughs> the guy is just doing what he – like. We're getting the results. I just don't want to hear all these what ifs because at the end of the day, they're not happening. That's Negative all Nancy's. hypothetical. It, yeah. Don't go play FIFA and put in your favorite players and, and change who the manager is at the club. Like, please do that, but enjoy what the club is doing. Like you can be, you can be critical and you can say, man, I wish this would have happened. But like, why complain when we are winning and when other players are shining? Like, I'm glad I didn't see anything this weekend saying, oh, well, at least I missed it. Like, I didn't see anything anything particular hating on Kai, who did play great, just because his name's not Tammy Abraham. Like, I, that would have bugged me a little bit. Yeah. So, to Ron's point, like, I'm just glad. It's not a fuck you. It's just more like, just kind of come in for the good times. Quit moping. Like, you're a, a Chelsea fan. Just get in. Get in. We're we're playing well. Get in behind the club. The players that are on the pitch. The players that are coming off the bench. Like enough was, with the negativity or, or or trying to be different for being different's sake. Like you're a Chelsea fan. For me, it was a reminder of why we support Chelsea and why we love football in the first place. It's for the same reason why I jumped out of my bed and sat at the foot of it from the seventh minute on after we scored the opening goal. Like, it's the excitement of it, man. So who gives a fuck what player scores? As long as they're wearing your club's jersey and your club's badge is on the front and the back of it, you're good, right? Isn't that all that matters? Um, I, I Like, it, it bothers me when 
when uh, when Chelsea fans bash certain players, especially when we're winning, but they're only bashing them because they're scoring the goals and their favorite player isn't. I'm sorry that's happening to you. You know, if, if that's the case, then you're definitely not a fan of Chelsea and you're and you're a fan of the player. You know, you always hear that. Oh, I don't like the team, but I like the player. You're one of those people, um, if that's your line of thinking. But yeah, Ron, I, Andres, I, I, I kind of disagree. I, I agree with Ron here. It was like a fuck you to everybody. It was kind of like, look, this is what we're capable of. If you don't like it, then there's a lot of other f- people out there who would gladly take it and would love this. Like us, Andres. We loved every single second of that game. I didn't take my eyes yeah. off the screen once. It was one of the first... It, w- it was one of the first, it was definitely the first match under Tuchel where I was relaxed the whole entire time. I was just completely calm. I was relaxed. I had no worries, not a care in my mind. I knew things were going to go well. There's just those games and there's some mornings where you wake up for the football and you know it's going to be a dub. Especially right? when Chelsea doesn't play the early game because they suck at the early we, game. We do suck at the 4 a.m. <laughs> kickoff. We get those 4 a.m. kickoffs, like the really early ones are at 4. They are, we always suck, man. I don't fucking understand it. Um, but yeah, Ron, completely agreed here. As 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 the czar of the ultras, I think this was a very uh, it it was a very uh, it was a good point to make, especially now, very very timely. So now we go back to straight back to the Champions League. We got Porto Tuesday. It's our home game. We have mm. a two goal away goal lead right now in terms of matches just because we also have to think of what's after that we have a 2-0 lead but then we also play the FA Cup semi-final against Man City this following weekend so honestly we're no we're no Porto experts we can tell you that their two goal threats are back so that is something to watch out for with and my question to you Zach is this specifically with Man City being the team that's uh, that's uh, our next opponent afterwards, and it is an elimination game as well. Christensen has this random small knock. Do you play Thiago Silva against Porto, or do you play Thiago Silva against Man City? Hmm. I think you play Thiago Silva against. Well, it depends. Honestly, Andres, <laughs> at this point, I think um, I think I take Christensen over Thiago Silva. If uh, again, hypothetical speaking, Thiago yeah. uh, Christensen is not unavailable. He's Tuesday. unavailable. Yeah, yeah. You got to start Thiago Silva against Porto. That's the more important match because I mean that's the one that's closer. I, I said last week too. Uh, we 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 need to have. We need to have short-term vision, right? Like we only need to look at the next match. We can't be worried about three or four matches from now because we got to win every single one. So it doesn't fucking matter who we play four games or three games from now. It doesn't matter if we play bottom of the table Sheffield or Man City. We need to win either way. So, um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But <laughs> I, I, I think I think, I think with – yeah, going back to Thiago Silva, um, a, a guy of that experience – Granted, yeah, he did get the red card last game. Whatever. You're going to toss it off as a one-off. I think he got sent off three times in his career. You play him against Porto. It's it's his ex-club too, so you know he's going to actually show up and show out for that game. Um, so yeah, I think you play him against Porto and then just kind of see what happens against City. 
if Christensen's like a game time decision, that's kind of it's a tough call for me to make. But um, if he's not available, then you probably got to go with Thiago Silva in the middle again. I think I think Thiago Silva would be the selection over Zuma personally. And it's not me hating on Zuma; it's just the experience. And I think Chelsea fans might have forgotten how brilliant Thiago Silva could be because the last time we saw him, he was walking off a pitch with a red card. Yeah, my my train of thought is you play Silva Tuesday as well, just because yeah. you get a full week of Christensen getting kind of his head on straight to play City, and and for some reason he matches up really well against City because they don't have these bulky strikers that can bully him. He he matches up really well. He he feels like the bully at times yeah. when facing off against Man City. So yeah, I I say you you ride. Tiago in, in the European scene, you know, he, he probably fits that a little bit more, even, even though he's performed pretty well in the Premier League, you know, the West Brom match, matches. both West Brom matches, <laughs> yeah. Those are that. the only two bad matches he had for us. And it shows that, you know what, even the most experienced people need to adjust. Yeah. So, so for me, like you mentioned how ZS, you play him in the Champions League. I think Tiago is, is the, the reason he's coming here is to be a leader in these positions where we haven't been before and we haven't been knocking at on the door of a, of a semifinal since 2013 under Mourinho where he, where, where the manager was kind of the galvanizing presence. So to have someone like Tiago Silva, keep the cool and, and honestly keep us organized because I expect Porto to come out with a very high press early on because they need goals. So if Tiago can be the guy to, to kind of keep the pre- the calm, I think, you know, it'll be super important for, for him to steer us through those first 20 minutes, much like that first leg against Athletic or the second leg against Atletico. You know, get us through the pressure, and his long passing is going to be extremely important to mm. to kind of hit Porto when, when they're attacking. We win the ball back maybe deep in our own half, and, and one outlet pass from Thiago Silva can, can put us in a three versus two situation maybe. So that's, so that's I why I was asking about – that specifically I think it's I don't want to say it's going to be a walk in the park these games are crazy I think it is going to be much tighter than than this Porto than sorry than this Crystal Palace match was but you know for my prediction I think that we'll get a a one nil move along with with three goals in our favor and yeah preparing for most most likely than not Real Madrid. I'm I'm gonna go with another two nil Andres. Um I think Tuchel's aware of how sloppy we look defensively against them at times. They did create way too much. And it's not a knock on them, but they created too many chances for a team of their quality. Um, especially in, in the Champions League. So I think Tuchel's gonna tighten things up at the back. That's a given. That's where I think our clean sheet's gonna come from. Um, and then, our, I mean, our front three feels good right now. If we start Kai, Pulisic, and Mount, one of them is going to score. That's actually going to be my prediction. I think one of those guys score again, for sure. One of our front three, if those three start. Um, just the kind of the form they're on, and nobody's going to be... I don't even think they saw Havertz in the first leg, did they? They did, but they saw some guy that looked like Havertz that wasn't playing like Havertz. It was like an imposter. So now we have the real Kai Havertz, and we and we can finally show him out. So yeah, I I'd like to see Pulisic, Havertz, and Mount and um, starting up top. Um, 
Reese James and Chilwell have to start too. I won't be I won't be surprised to see Marcus Alonso maybe um, with Manchester City in mind uh, as the reason why Chilwell might sit this game. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go two 0 Chelsea. I think I think we have enough to get the same result and, and and be relatively comfortable in this game. And personally, Andres, I think if if Porto don't get anything in the first hour of the match, it's gonna be pretty comfortable um, because they huffed and they puffed last time, but they they couldn't even scrap a goal. Um, and granted, yeah, their best players coming back this time around, and, and yeah, they have their striker there as well. Um, we're going to be that much better this time around also. And we're coming off of a huge win. And let's not forget, we peed in our locker rooms also, apparently, right? Isn't that the word on the street? Jeez, yeah, this this Porto manager is just looking for... He's a piece of work, man. He's just Look. looking for bulletin board material for his team to like get motivated. Yeah. Uh, one thing, One thing I didn't mention as to why... Perhaps the second leg will be more in our favor. We've been a pretty, you know, we, we don't hide how we're going to come out since Tuchel came to be manager. But the way teams attack us has been kind of how, what changes week in and week out. And now that we know how Porto looked to to kind of cancel our way of playing, I think that Tuchel's going to make adjustments accordingly. Um, maybe find holes in their press or or something along those lines. So I don't I don't think we're gonna look at least tactically speaking like the weaker side like we did a week ago. Yeah, um, and and that's like that's something I keep alluding to is we were pretty sloppy last time. So I think I think Tuchel's gonna tighten up and the squad's gonna look a lot uh, a lot more tightened up as well. And, I mean, with that being said, Andres, um, hopefully we get a semifinal berth. Hopefully uh, we go through this relatively unscathed with injuries and things like that, suspensions. Um, and next time we record it, will be another happy podcast. I want Sam to come back to a happy podcast. There you go. Yeah. That, that's all I want at the end of the day. And <laughs> if you guys are still listening, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, that's also applicable to our Instagram handle. Um, and then uh, we're also available via email as well. Shout out to Colin Prescott, one of our OG pen pals. Uh, he reached out to us via email and eventually linked up with us on Twitter. And now look, he's featured every single week on the show. Right, Andres? Um, yes, sir. So shoot us an email. Let us know how you became a Chelsea fan. We'll mention it on the show. Or if you just want to say hi, that'd be cool too. Um, until next uh, show, keep the blue flag flying high.